Good morning. It is a wonderful opportunity to study the words of God with you this morning. Do you sometimes feel that your spiritual journey looks like this? You're stuck in the wall. You move one step forward and two steps backwards. And sometimes, due to the circumstances that we are in right now, many people are actually being portrayed by the song Stuck in Reverse. You just keep on defaulting on your spiritual walk with God. A survey was conducted by In Touch Ministry, and uh, the question was asked, why do we fail to grow spiritually? And there are five major reasons that the thousands upon thousands of Christians has answered unanimously. Number one, they say because of lack of instruction, they don't know any better on how to grow. Number two is the neglect of Bible reading, prayer, and reflection, basically a lack of devotional life. Number three, it is the uncertainty of beliefs. Today, we live in a pluralistic world whereby we are bombarded and we are being presented with different modes of truths. Sometimes people say that truth is subjective, while others argue that truth is objective. And because of all these available arguments all around us right now, people are actually failing to grow spiritually. Number four, and Interestingly, it is somehow similar to number three. It is doubts about God or lack of faith. There were several questions to probe this answer on number four. And uh, basically what they were saying is this. They, they doubt that God will intervene on their daily endeavor, on their daily life. And basically they are left on their own. Sure, they believe in God, but you know. Uh, God is somehow absent on their daily interactions, so they fail to grow. Number five is yielding to temptations. Now, think about it for a minute. And where do you fall in this category of failing to grow spiritually? Somehow, it concerns me that two of the major reasons of failing to grow spiritually involves about faith in God. Or having faith in God. This will be a three-part series. Next month, I'll be preaching again. Uh, probably the, 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 the next month after next month. And I'll continue to discuss about faith and the levels of faith. The Bible continues to encourage us that you and I are supposed to examine ourselves whether we are in faith. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. And our life as followers of Jesus Christ is summarized in Romans chapter 1 verse 17 whereby Paul admonished those who follow Jesus Christ that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith so it is from faith to faith we begin by faith we move on by faith and we will end up making it through faith so this morning let me present three levels of faith and probably try to see which 
aspect or which level you belong. The first one is faithless. Surprisingly, being faithless does not necessarily mean that you don't believe in God. Because the word unbelief or being faithless are always mentioned in the context of the followers of Jesus Christ. They are not hostile to Jesus Christ. They are not basically refusing Jesus Christ, but they are being described as faithless. One is in John chapter 20, verse 27. You remember this disciple called Thomas. Everyone has seen Jesus Christ resurrected except him. And even though he has heard convincingly from the disciples that indeed they saw Jesus resurrected, he refused. He cannot, ma, cannot, ma. He died already, uh, saw him. Uh. All of us saw him on the cross. How come he alive? Uh? Cannot, ba? This one cannot. Confirm cannot. And so one evening, Jesus appeared to the disciples together with Thomas, and he, Thomas was there, and Jesus showed up, and he said to Thomas, reach here your finger, and behold my hands, and reach here your hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Thomas was having a hard time believing that indeed a dead person can come back to life. Another report of people being faithless is found in Mark chapter 4, verse 40. You remember when the disciples went into a boat and there was a big storm and Jesus Christ was sleeping on the boat. And they were like terrified. They were like all flustered. They were like thinking, this is it, we're gonna die. And they're all fishermen. It must have been a huge storm. It must have been a bad weather. Because... In order for you to terrify a seasoned fisherman of being drowned on the sea, it must have been a terrible storm. And they were all terrified. And Jesus was sleeping. And so they decided to wake Jesus up. And Jesus just declared, you know, peace be still. And he turned his attention to them saying, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Other translations rendered it as, why are you so afraid? Why are you faithless? Why are you without faith? My dear brothers and sisters, these conversations transpired in the context of people following Jesus, in the context of people being with Jesus, and yet they are still afraid. You remember another record in Matthew chapter 17, whereby Jesus went into the mountain together with three of his closest apostles, and the rest of the disciples were left behind on uh, the foot of the mountain. And there was this young boy being possessed by an evil spirit. He's throwing himself on the fire, he's cursing, no one could stop him. And uh, the disciples tried to set the young boy free from being possessed by the evil spirit. And they could not. And they have been trying to do so. They, they prayed, they cried, probably they shouted, they admonished the evil spirit to come out of the boy. But the spirit was like, yeah, 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 good try, guys. And Jesus came. And the disciples uh, asked Jesus, why is it so? Then Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless. And perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. 
Jesus was referring not only to the Father, the scribes and the Pharisees who were in attendance, but he was also talking to the disciples. How do we know? Because later on, when the disciples spoke to Jesus and asked, Hey, how are why we cannot send the, the, the evil spirit out of the boy? What's wrong with us? You know, we pray the right prayer. We kneel down. We, we utter the right words. But how come the evil spirit would not leave the boy? And Jesus spoke to them and said to them, Because of your unbelief. Unbelief does not necessarily mean being hostile to God. It is actually refusing to experience what God has promised. Unbelief is basically uh, saying, my dear brothers and sisters, that they could not enter rest. And that's in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, referring to the Israelites who are being described in such a way. So we see that they could not enter his place of rest because they did not believe. Be careful then, brothers and sisters, that none of you ever develop a wicked unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So if there is a word to describe being faithless, it is a restless state. You know, there is God, but you wonder whether uh, it's possible. The subtalk of an unbelieving person, though he knows God, is this. That's not possible. It couldn't be. We're doomed, you know. We, we are on our own. Probably it's too big. God could not help us, you know. Uh, we, we can't do it. Or probably out of simple surrender, admission of our incapability, it is what it is. So a faith which is doubting, lacking trust in the Lord is a restless faith. You're always anxious. Will God show up? Will God do it? You have more questions than assurances. Unfortunately, the Bible says that faith is essential in order for us to relate with God. In Hebrews 11.6, the Bible says, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You know, it, it's hard to have a healthy relationship with someone you love without that trusting relationship. It's hard to please your spouse and even your parents if you don't trust. And the same goes with God. So being faithless is the inability to find that rest which is promised by God Himself. Number two is there are different uh, instances in the Bible whereby the word Little faith is mentioned. And this is one in Matthew chapter 60, verse 30. You remember that Jesus Christ was discussing regarding food and clothing. And people are worried about food and clothing, and rightly so. These are basic necessities of life. But Jesus Christ tells us, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? The problem here is not that they don't believe in God, but they do not believe that God will act on His promise on them. Another instance is found in Matthew chapter 14, verse 31. This is after the feeding of the 5,000, and the disciples were made to go ahead 
had to cross to uh, another city, and they had to go through the Lake of Galilee uh, by themselves, without Jesus. And again, there was a terrible storm. You will, you will uh, now see, somehow uh, have to realize that our faith is being tested not on ordinary circumstances, as these narratives are telling us. They were in a big storm again, and they are afraid of like uh, sinking again. But right now, they saw Jesus walking on the water. And Peter said, hey, Jesus, is that you? If that is you, then let me, allow me to get into the boat and walk into the water. And Jesus said, sure, why not? I can walk on the water. You too can walk as long as you trust in me. And so Peter started to walk into the water. And he was successful. Imagine that. Then he began to sink when he looked on the waves and on the water. When he loses his eyes on Jesus, my dear brothers and sisters, he began to sink. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So the state of being or having little faith is not that you are uh, refusing to follow God or to obey God. But during the process, you began to question the ability of God. Is God able to sustain me? Is God able to see me through this pandemic? Will God keep me healthy, my business afloat during this time of crisis? Not that you have not started, but you have started. But along the way, you began to ask, is this what God wills for me? Will He help me? A little faith, therefore, is a faith which is wavering. A rocky. You know, you're, you're still, you, you follow, but along the way, you, you, you tend to question the ability, the capacity of God in your life. So it's a rocky state. It's a wavy state. And when this little faith has a self-talk, the questions are this. Will God keep his word? At least to me. Yeah, I heard about Abraham, I heard about Jacob, Isaac, and those good guys, but will God keep his word to me? Can I count on God today? Will God show up? Or I will be alone today to fend for myself. Is it worth it to follow him all the way? Shall I follow him or shall I partly with the word and partly with the world? In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, the call is for us to come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Why? That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. It is also important to be steady in our faith, never doubting, because James tells us in James chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, that when we ask the Lord, we must ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubt is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. When you ask God, when you pray, believe that the Lord will answer it. Believe that the Lord will do it. Believe that the Lord will do His part. That you can count on God without doubting. Otherwise, the Bible says that we will not receive anything from the Lord. How many blessings have we missed? Because instead of believing, we doubt the Lord. Instead of trusting the Lord, we question the ability of the Lord. 
how many blessings and how many good things have we missed simply because we do not trust the Lord. You remember our story earlier regarding this young man with uh, being possessed by an evil spirit and he cannot help himself. And the father was there and Mark reported a different angle of it. And the father was desperate, you know, he, he needs help for his son. And Jesus told him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Wow, that, those are big words. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Not something, not few things. But all things are possible to him who believes. In other words, Jesus Christ was trying to encourage this father who is desperate, needing help for his son. It is possible if you believe. And the father does not even understand what believing means. Declared and shouted, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And this should be the prayer of all of us whenever we are losing faith. Whenever we are doubting, whenever we are being shaken by circumstances and we cannot see God's solutions beyond what we are experiencing right now, our prayer should be like this, Father, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I am doubting. Lord, I am struggling. Lord, you know that I want to believe you. Lord, you know that I want to trust you. It's just that right now I'm in a mess. Could you please help me? And God breaks through, and He healed that son. I remember a story of a young child who was brought by his mom into the grocery. And before they go to the grocery, the mother cautioned the young boy, Okay, do not ask for any sweets, okay? I'll bring you to the grocery, but do not ask for any sweets. Deal? And the young boy said, Deal. Finally, on their first adventure towards the first line, there were this, this, the vegetables and then the fruits, and then later on went to the bread and to the egg section, now to the sweet section. And the eye of this young boy lighted and said, Sweets! And the mom said, What did I told you? No sweets. Okay, so the mom went to the laundry section, picking some soap and picking some supply. They went back and passed to the sweet area again. And said, the boy said, sweets! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The mom cautioned the young boy. Finally, the mom was able to pick up everything that she has listed. And they're going back right now to the cashier. The boy, realizing that it will be his last chance to get some sweet that day. Finally begged for his mother, Mom, can you get me some sweet? See, this is why I don't want to bring you to the grocery. We have made a deal already, but I know that you will continue to bother me with this. I said, no. Mom, please. And you know, it has been a bit of an awkward situation because there are a lot of people on the queue. And the boy keeps pleading. Mom, please, just one candy, please, one candy. I said, no. The mom was standing her ground. Finally, the boy shouted, In the name of Jesus, can I have some sweets? <laughs> and the old man behind the lady says, Come on, I'll buy your kid a sweet. <laughs> My dear friends, 
she's not doubting. The boy knew that his mother would cave. His mother will have to buy him some sweet. He believes on his mother. And when was the last time we were reminded in the Bible that we have a loving Heavenly Father? All parents right here, including myself, knows our tender, uh, our tender compassion to our children. Even before they ask, we are planning good things from them. And even though like they told tantrums, how do they look like to us? Cute. Like sweet, I'm almost caving in right now, right? That is our Heavenly Father. Trust Him. Trust His goodness. Lastly, my dear brothers and sisters, for this morning, the final level of faith which is mentioned in the Bible is great faith. You remember this narrative in Matthew chapter 8 about a centurion who's uh, uh, someone in his house is sick. And so he approaches Jesus and tells Jesus about the situation. And Jesus said, okay, shall I come with you? But the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. Wow, voice commander. No need to come. No need to show up. No need to touch anything. No need to give water or drink medicine. No need to put some, some uh, uh, sticky mud on the eyes. Just say the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. When Jesus heard this, the Bible reported in verse 10, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. So here, the actions and the decision of this centurion was declared by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as having great faith. I think my, my pointer has lost its faith. So, <laughs> Kelly, thank you for helping me with the next slide. Thank you. So Jesus declared, you have such a great faith. This guy believes that Jesus is able, that Jesus is indeed capable, that the blessings and the miracles of Jesus does not depend on him or his ability, but on the ability of Jesus Christ himself. Paul knew this when in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, he, he uh, introduces his arguments about believing in God and the ability of God in these words, for I am convinced. Other translation says, I am sure this one is true. What is true, Paul? And what are you convinced about? That neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, this I am sure. This one, no need to argue about. This one, I am convinced. Convinced about what? Convinced about the love of God and the ability of God. So if he would describe the faith of this centurion, the faith of Paul, and the faith of many other uh, instances in the Bible, especially in the New Testament and the Old Testament, a great faith is a restful state. A great faith refuses to be anxious, believing in God. God will show up. God will help me. If not today, probably tomorrow. If not tomorrow, if God will not help me, probably He has something better in mind. And I don't mind it. 
Because I believe in the goodness of God. I believe in the love of God that anything that happens to me, God will not allow it for my misfortune. God will not allow it for, for, for me to just simply diminish. But when God allows it, God allows it for good. It is a restful state. The subtalk of a great faith is this. God is in charge no matter what. Yes, I may have troubles today, but God is still on His throne. God sits as the judge. He is the most powerful God. He will one day break through and He will have the final word. Not COVID, not my situations, not the, not the restrictions, not the economy. One day God will have the final word. That, that is the, the faith that is great. The great faith also declares God is dependable. I can count on God and I submit to His plans. Just like Jesus when He was on Gethsemane, He said, not my will. But your will be done. See our will when we pray. We have several plans. Lord, I want this. Lord, I need this. But a great faith says, Lord, I know that I want something. But you know what's best for me. I submit your will. I know that you are God and your ways are better than my ways. Ellen White speaks about this in Desire Pages, page 175. And she wrote, Through faith we receive the grace of God. It is the hand by which we lay hold upon Christ." And appropriate his merits. Faith takes hold already of the blessings, even though we cannot see the blessings just yet. I remember I read one story uh, in the book called Circles in the Sands uh, regarding miracle stories of some Seventh-day Adventists around the world. And a story was told about a farmer in India. And there were locusts ravaging the land. And the locusts are nearing by his farm. So many of the farmers are gathering to pray and, you know, to consult with one another what to do, what to do. And the Adventist farmer says, you know, my farm is God's farm. God will take care of my farm. I can pray for your farm as well. But after a few days, the locust ravages the farm of these brothers of ours. And the farmers come and say, hey, I thought God will take care of your farm. How come your farms, also your corns, are all eaten by the locusts? And the farmer says, well, you know, my farm is God's farm. The locusts are God's locusts. What do I do if God wanted to pasture his locusts on his farm? It's his farm anyway. It's his locusts anyway. That is faith. Faith is believing when we, when we hit misfortunes. When we hit bend, it is not the end of the day. God will still show up. God will still do something about it. You know, I, I, I served for 10 years in the Philippines as a district pastor before coming over here in Singapore. And one of the districts I serve is Pampanga, Central Philippines. And in that area, uh, they have fish pens. Most of our members live by tending tilapia or fish, uh, farming them and selling them. One day... One Sabbath morning, there was a huge storm that hits the area. And this elder of ours was wondering, well, shall I stay on my fish pan and take care of the fish, you know, because the fish pan will overflow and the fish will go everywhere, right? Swim everywhere. And, you know, he's worried that he'll be losing money. But he said, I trust in the Lord. I will not go take care of my fish. This morning, I'll go to church just the same. And, you know, see what will happen. Just trust in the Lord. The next day, Sunday, he was on his fish pond. 
And he called me. My phone rang repeatedly. I was not planning to answer because it was very early in the morning. And my phone was ringing repeatedly. And, Pastor, Pastor, you better come. You better come. What's going on? What's happening? I said, you know, more, my, my fish pond are filled with fish. Most of the fish from the neighbors swim to my uh, pond. And now, the neighbors cannot do anything about it because they don't have any mark on their fish, whether it is their fish. Now it's on my pond. Pastor, you better come, go grab some fish. When you do visitation, bring some fish. This is the best day ever. I was like, praise the Lord. You remember a guy in the Bible called Job. A tragic story. A terrible story. And I hope and pray that none of us could go through what happened to him. But look at his declaration in Job chapter 19, verses 25 to 26. For I know, he said, notice what he said. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. Job says, I know, I know. Yes, he was, he, his eyes was not captivated by his disease, by the death of his children, ten of them, by the loss of his cattle and his cows, and by the destruction of his properties. He said, I know, I know. Despite of all these things that are happening, I know that my Redeemer lived, and I know that in my flesh I shall see God. My dear brothers and sisters, the Bible are written that you may believe. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in His name. The more you read the Bible, the more your faith will grow. As Romans tells us in Romans 10, 17, Faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the Word of God. I like what our brother has stated earlier this morning during the singing. If you will continue to expose yourself with the Word of God, your faith will continue to develop, and you don't have to pay for it. My dear brothers and sisters, in order for your faith to grow, it is through the Word of God. And so, where are you this morning? No faith? Struggling? You follow Jesus, but uh-uh, uh-uh. You, you are doing things on your own, depending on your capacity and ability. Little faith. You follow Jesus, but... You're wavering along the way, doubting and trusting, and just like a roller coaster. And you're an anxious Christian. You can't be happy because, you know, you're worried about your life because you have little faith. When storm comes, you're like terrified and anxious. Oh my, we're going to sink. Great faith says you're resting in God. Whatever happens, I know God will take care of me. Be not dismayed, what a betide. God will take care of you. Lean where you want upon His side. God will take care of you. I wish to finish the song, but let me just tell you a story finally. In the year 2020, about two years ago, I conducted an evangelism online. And uh, there was this lady who attended. Her name is Grace. Uh, she was introduced to me by one of our members. She has a terminal cancer, stage 4, apparently. When I visited her, she barely can't move. She, she, she's just bound in her room. Uh, she's from Philippines, but she has not told her husband and her six-year-old daughter. She was just waiting for herself to die here in Singapore. And when I first spoke to her, 
She was angry. She's only 34 years old, two years ago. And she was like, Pastor, how could this happen to me? Why would God do this to me? I still have a six-year-old daughter back in the Philippines, and this is pandemic. I can't even go back, you know. I, I'm afraid to tell them because, you know, what will, what will she think? Will she be able to process all this? And on and on and on and on, and anger and uh, desperation. After several times of Bible studies and visit from members, I praise the Lord that in September 2020, she surrendered her life to Jesus Christ through baptism. And uh, this is a video, but she, she can't barely move. So she has to kneel down like this, not the usual one, to be deep into the water laying. So she, she just had to bend her knees because she's having a hard time to move. She can't do that because she was in extreme pain. Through the help of the Philippine Embassy and the help of uh, her uh, relative right here in Singapore, she managed to go back to Philippines, despite of the restrictions that people are not allowed to go back to Philippines. So in December 2020, she managed to go back to Philippines and admit her situation to her husband and to her child and bid them farewell. It was December, second week of December. And she usually joined our midweek and vesper services online because back then everything was online. And uh, I managed to visit her and call her most of the days. And finally, one, one, one day, it was the fourth week of December, that her husband called me, Pastor. I think Grace is about to go. Would you pray for her? I said, sure, I'll pray for her. And with the voice you can barely hear over the phone, I was telling her, trust in the Lord, give your life to the Lord. But she gathered her strength for the last time over the phone and tell me, Pastor, I am ready now. I believe in Jesus. I'm just so glad I have met Jesus. I'm ready, Pastor. A few hours after that, so the husband called me that Grace passed away on the December of 2020, just three months after accepting Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. But I've never seen a person so at peace, so happy, so surrender to the will of the Lord because she found faith, joy, and love in Jesus Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, may I speak to you. When the going gets tough, have faith. Jesus, God, can be counted upon. Continue to surrender ourselves to the Lord and ask Him to increase our faith. Shall we all stand for um, our closing hymn?
bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be with you until we meet again in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>